Produced with podcasting gear from Tascam, including the Tascam Mini Studio. Trust your audio to Tascam. Sound thinking. Microphones and headphones provided by CAD Audio. CAD Audio, expression through innovation. episode of Wookie Radio. It is the Smugglers 3, Ken, Derek, myself, Mike. How are you guys doing? Well, my wife's out of town on business, so there's that. Yeah, I'm doing okay. A little tired, but I'm okay. Actually, my wife's in Chicago. Well, a little oh, late. Yeah. How long is she going to be in Chicago? Because Kylan's going out next week to Chicago. <laughs> Just till Friday. Oh, okay. <laughs> Questions may have been arisen. <laughs> Well, you, you know what they say. I, I thought you guys knew what they said. But anyway, um, I know what I say at this point in the show. Check out the homepage, WookieRadio.net, and I will be getting those caught up by Monday. If you only knew the craziness that I went through with the hosts, with our host company, just trying to get shows uploaded from last week, which are now delayed. Mm. Oh, Derek knows yep. I, I was ready. Derek knows I was ready to kill someone. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Disintegration would have been okay. <laughs> um, check out the homepage. Well, our, you have the bounty, though. I, I could care less about the bounty, which is for the principle yeah, of the matter. <laughs> it was for the yeah. principle of the matter. Um, check out our affiliates. Supporting them supports us at no additional cost to you. Also, too, support um, our partners a little different because we actually have some good stuff going with uh, Heroes and Villains and Found Me. Um, I'm not going to go into too much more detail over the trackers. I mean, we've said it enough. Trackers are great. I use mine quite a bit um, and, and I have that comfort of knowing if what they're on is missing, I could go to the phone, hook up the Bluetooth, you know, connect Bluetooth and then put out my alert. It's there. Um, and then Heroes and Villains, size 3 3X t-shirts are in. Check them out. Uh, I think they're just on the storyboard and Rebel Scum shirts. Not on the others yet, but 3X shirts. Yes. Um, and just click on the links on our homepage. Use the code SMUGGLERS for 15% off your first purchase. And then also to check out our web store. Um, hats, t-shirts, sweatshirts, baseball jerseys, which the Mando jerseys are coming soon. Uh, they're almost done. And, uh, and our hockey jerseys, which yeah, it's a little warm for for hockey now, but it's okay. There's still street hockey. There is still street hockey, and the and the jerseys are lightweight 
enough, they do breathe. But if you play ice, they're lightweight. They're still the trend in even in ice, ho- ice hockey is go lighter weight. So um, they're fully sublimated. Names, numbers, everything, logo, it's all sublimated. So you don't have to worry about extra weight from a patch or whatnot. It's all right there. So And coming soon, you'll be able to customize it. You'll be able to customize your jersey with your own name and number. So that's coming soon. Um. So yeah, let's... We're going to get into the show now. And the first thing we're going to talk about is where did the ruined Death Star come from in the Rise of the Skywalker trailer? You guys thought I was going to go Galaxy's Edge. That's coming up. Yeah, that's everything else. (laughs) This is the one story that I know I put the story up there um, because I thought this was intriguing um, because just about every other story we found was Galaxy's Edge. Gee, I wonder why. (laughs) Um, So one of the most interesting shots in the trailer was the Death Star, which people are going, why is there a mountain in that? You know, what's that mountain? Like people, that's not a mountain. And and other people were arguing that that was not the Death Star. It was a mountain and that there's no in this one guy's going, I'm a I'm a mechanical engineer and architect. There's no way that's a that's part of the Death Star. It's not. It's not right. Um, Hello. It's Star Wars. It's your, fantasy. Your theories are wrong. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I know usually I'm not that snarky or sarcastic, but I mean, come on. It was quite obvious. It's the Death Star. Well, first time through, it's not always quite that obvious because when I first saw the trailer, I didn't notice what that was. I yeah. thought it was a mountain or something in the background. The second time through, I yeah. clicked. I'm like, oh, wait a minute. That's no mountain. <laughs> yeah, but I think when we talked about it, I, I said right away, that's the Death Star. Uh, I, I knew I, I, I knew right away because to me it didn't feel organic enough to be to be a mountain but that's not saying you guys were wrong it, it, please don't take it that way it's my mind works totally different from most people out there so yeah um, so <laughs> what plan <laughs> yeah sorry keep your thoughts to yourself we're, we're not we're gonna just let that, keep, let that lay there just keep your thoughts to yourself Derek <laughs> or, or I won't listen to your show anymore while mowing (laughs) um so now this piece of the death star is on some desolate ocean planet um and it's one of two death well, stars. Not, yeah, not completely ocean because they're sitting, uh, they're standing in the plains above the ocean. So right, right. Yeah. Now, could this be the death star from A New Hope? Uh, and if so, uh, could this be one of the many moons of Yavin Four? Well, no, Yavin Four was actually one of the moons. Also, was it many of the moons of Yavin? Yavin's the planet, right? Yavin Four is just happening the fourth moon out or something, or the fourth moon they numbered. Gotcha. Just like well, the thing well, with Endor. Was was always interesting though because is endor the moon or is it the planet that's around the that the moon is around well is the forest moon of endor meaning the forest moon around endor or is it actually the name of the forest moon well with the moon right. is it the yavin four is the fourth moon yeah of the planet yavin right so apparently with yavin you have the planet yavin and then you have yavin one through 20 which are your moons mm-hmm. instead of coming up with distinct names um good point about indoor um but i mean the, the question has come down to which death star is this well with help from wikipedia um 
they tell us that the moon's primarily, that Yavin 4 is primarily covered in rainforests, with the closest it gets to oceans being swampy areas. Uh, despite the fact that fans have pointed out that the two Death Star designs are slightly different, this one seems to match the first Death Star more closely, and I was wrong. Given that Yavin has 26 moons, perhaps this could be one of them. Oh, oh 26. Huh. I don't know. I'll wait till you get to the end of this, but I'm the, I'm kind of leaning the other direction that this is probably Death Star 2. I'll, I'll, give you my, I'll tell you why in a minute. Now, the other candidate, of course, as you're saying, if it's Death Star 2, is Endor. That's the planet of which the second star, Death Star was blown up, with the station's shield generator being located on its forest moon. However, Endor is also a gas giant, so it's the, for, it's the forest moon of Endor, as opposed to the water moon of Endor, or the gaseous moon of Endor. Apparently, Endor's moons are based on topography, not, not names. Yeah. It's not Endor 4. It's the forest moon. So instead of the desert moon or the frozen moon. Frozen moon, that's where Elsa lives. Okay, I know. Let it go. <laughs> um, still, uh, Endor has a number of moons, and it's plausible this wreckage may have crashed into one that we haven't seen before. Um, more importantly, why is the gang all there? Well, with the, emperor, with the emperor officially back, perhaps there's some sort of artifact that's aboard that's key for bringing him down. Uh, remember, there was that piece of concept art for Force Awakens that showed Ray diving into the submerged wreckage of the Emperor's throne room. So maybe Abrams has resurrected this idea for Rise of Skywalker. Mm. Interesting. Yes. That's kind of where I'm leaning anyway for this to be Death Star 2. If it's the original Death Star, the Emperor was not on the Death Star. So there wouldn't be any artifacts or anything having to do with the Emperor on that one. Now, him being yeah. on the Death Star 2, and uh, the, one of the theories being that maybe he survived the crash of the Death Star, then maybe he is actually in that wreckage still. True. Yeah, I'm kind of leaning towards Endor as well. They would have to do a whole lot more work to get, make this a Death Star 1 and actually work it into the story that that it looks like they're building. So you're just saying this is a plain moon of Endor. Well, this is somewhere near Endor, obviously. Or if this is the Desert 2, it's somewhere near Endor, yes. See, I... <laughs> I don't know what the it, how much of a difference there is between the the uh, gunner dishes of the Death Star of the two Death Stars that the bit of the ring we're seeing I I wouldn't be able to tell it apart. Yeah, yeah. And, and actually, and honestly, well, go ahead. I had thought, and I, I'm not 100 percent on this, but I had thought that the Death Star Two is slightly bigger. It is than than the first Death. Star. It is because they they point they point that out in Force Awakens when they're going right. okay here's the size well here's the death star here's death star 2 right right Mm-hmm. And then here's Sky Killer Base or Star Killer Base. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, also, really, from a purely movie standpoint, not in universe, it doesn't matter which one, which Death Star this resembles. It could have been just whatever the model makers and the artists decided to mar- model it after. Right. It wouldn't have mattered at all the, which Death Star they think it's supposed to be, just a Death Star. Well, this one looked cooler than this one. Let's put that, let's make it look like that. Yeah, but we're talking the, the, the saucer section, the Death Star. Yeah. Yeah. And you're talking.
talking about a little bit of panel beyond that. Well, I hate you look at the two models. They're almost identical except for the size. And at this point in time, we don't have a true accurate scale to know how how big. Well, okay, some people are going to go, well, we know Daisy Ridley is this tall and we know that's that far away and that's going to be. So it's got to be okay. cool if you're able to do that. I'm envious that you could do that. Looking at this, I'm not exactly sure which one's which. Mm-hmm. To me, my best guess is it's the smaller of the two. It's the first Death Star. Okay. <clears throat> I'm actually looking up a couple of different things here. Uh, a couple of different images back and forth on the two Death Stars. <laughs> to me, it would make more sense for it to be the second Death Star. Yeah. 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 All of these are saying that how the de- second Death Star was way bigger than the first one. Mm-hmm. Like the difference between the Earth and the Moon side difference in size. All right. Let's see. But I'm trying to see visual differences. That, that's yeah. where I, that's where I see the question is even if they're bigger how much bigger is the saucer section that between the two yeah oh they drastically drastically bigger hang on see then I would think Let this would be see I'm just I'm just not, I'm not getting the sense of depth on this to know how far away they are uh, yeah you can't but if this is any in comparison here check out the picture I just dropped in the whoa that's quite the difference yes like I said it's like the difference between the size of the earth and the moon the original Death Star would have been the size of our moon compared to us for the size. See, and based on this picture, I would say I, I would I would say we're look in the trailer. We're looking at Death Star One. See, I don't know. Here, check this one out. This is a picture of Death Star Two that's partially completed because that's what it was in the movie. And some of the, the where it's partially completed compared to when you look at the trailer, it almost matches up with some of the um, destruction that's there. I mean, obviously it exploded, but I don't I just I don't see why it would be the first one. Yeah, like I said, it takes it story wise. It would take a whole lot more to yeah. make the um, original Death Star work into a st- current story. The other thing is somebody actually wrote in the comments on this article um, that the first Death Star was gathered and salvaged by the Alderanian people to construct a space station where Alderaan used to be, and that was covered in the aftermath af- aftermath novels. Okay. I don't, I don't recall. It's been a while since yeah. I read those, but... Well, it, 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 I, I love the next comment underneath, which are no longer canon, so they mean nothing. <laughs> the comment below yeah, they, that. They uh, <laughs> the Aftermath trilogy came out after The Force Awakens and is canon. Shoot, mm. my bad. I totally forgot about those. <laughs> a lot of people wish they could have forgot about those. So I thought they were good books. I finally finished it. They were the, the first one was slow. The other two were cool, and the result of it was really cool. Yeah. I didn't feel like, I don't know, I felt it left... It left me wanting more, but not in, like, the good kind of way. Like, just, uh, like, I don't know. It just didn't satisfy me. That's because we're used to guys like Timothy Zahn writing. Yeah, mm. that too. And some people have problems with them, but I always liked Kevin Anderson's books, too. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I did, too. But, like, when I finished the Aftermath, the third Aftermath book, I was like, I'm still not, I don't know, I still something, I don't know. Yeah. I didn't feel satisfied when I finished it. Well, it's a really long backstory for one character. Yeah, yeah. Basically, that's the whole purpose of it. I mean, they put little seeds for other things in there, but it's basically all Snap Wexley's. Uh, now, this is the um, this is spoilers, yeah. guys, but the book's like six years old, so mm. it's all Snap Wexley's uh, backstory. <laughs> that's the entire book series. Yeah, <laughs> it kind of is. Yeah. Uh... 
basically. <laughs> I like how you put that. It's all spoilers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, if he's not read it at this point, then that's your choice. <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. So now we're going to move on to the meat of the episode. Meat. Galaxy's Edge. So let, let's let's first talk about the ride that's based around us. The Smuggler's yes. Run. I'm glad we had all that input as well. <laughs> well, apparently. This appears to be amazing. Well, apparently there's been so much disaster with the people flying it that Disney has put out a guide to how to fly the ship. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I did hear a critical thing about this. The one um, critic, the headline was that um, Smuggler's Run is um, the equivalent of basically um, just a really expensive video game, yeah. to which I was thinking, wait a minute, and? <laughs> yeah, that's the whole idea. Basically, it's just a it's a it's a different seating arrangement of uh, mission space. Yeah, you kind of do the same thing in mission space, and a lot of times in mission but space, most importantly, the, it's Falcon. Yeah, yeah, it is the Falcon. Uh, I can't wait to to have Zoe as co-pilot and me pilot. From what I've been told, you want the right seat. Yeah, because the right seat controls hyperspace too. See, yeah. and, and I want I want to give her that opportunity because I want to look at her and go punch it. And I'm going to tell her I'm putting you in the right seat, and when I say punch it, you hit that hyperspace button point blank. Don't and argue. <laughs> yeah. There's no hyper there's no hyperspace button. It's levers. You pull back on the levers. Well. And push forward. No, you push forward on the levers. I yeah, remember, right? Forward. Yeah. But I'll have her do that. So I won't give her that throw. I'll do it eventually, but I'm looking at these pictures and it's just amazing stuff. Yeah. So apparently you first walk in and you're in the maintenance shaft that leads to the repair area. This is all part of the key line. And in the maintenance zone, over the intercom, guests are treated to the humorous bickering of maintenance workers and Hondo Anoka. Anoka. <laughs> the same swarmy pirate that made famous from his appearances in the Clone Wars and Rebels. And it's being This is all this is a Hondo Onaka ride. If you watch the video, you can actually on YouTube there's a couple of people that have filmed their ride on this and it's like he's throughout the whole thing. Yeah. I love that they put him in there. That's so awesome. Oh yeah. And and it's definitely just one of those you, you know, and of course it's it's the role's been reprised by Jim Cummings, the voice actor. Hello, what have we here? That's right. Mm-hmm. The legend Jim Cummings. Yes. Uh, one of the workers is voiced by Ben Schwartz, and the other is voiced by Bobby Moynihan. Uh, of course, cool. they're they're known for their roles in Parks and Rec and Saturday Night Live, respectively. Um, and the and two, Star Wars Resistance. And they are also two thirds of the triplets in Ducktales. Cool. Thank you. Um, from the sprawling line in the maintenance area, guests are then taken to a short line before boarding. Before for the boarding area that overlooks the Falcon and the port of Black Spire Outpost, giving fans oh. another look at the ship as it towers over the visitors outside. The detail... I can't wait to... We start planning Wookiee Radio Weekend. We make <laughs> this happen, and I will figure out how we get group rates for you, the listeners, as well, to join us at Disney for a Wookiee Radio Weekend. So, And then I will also find out how much it would cost to maybe do a two-hour party at Oga's Cantina after hours. See if we can raise the money for that and just have a private party yeah. there just for Wookiee Radio. It's, it's the things we could do. Um, of course, you at Sorcerer Radio, of course you'll be included. You guys over on Weebie Geeks Network, of course. We're going we're gonna to make this a, a to-do. Um, 
Now, also, too, the next step is you're going to be boarding the Falcon. And I love how the R5 unit is the one from uh, from Rebel. Is it from Rebels? No. It looks like the paint no, that... job from Clone Wars with the one who did the secret mission. Yeah, well, according to this, it is his R5 unit, so. Maybe he took it over after that mission. I don't know. Although I did look, flights from Cleveland to Orlando, I can get a round trip for 177 It's a great deal. And, hey, I know someone who might be able to save you save you costs on hotel rooms at Disney. Ah. I, I think he said he could get you up to 40% off. Hmm. Um, so Hondo himself stands on the platform above alongside his trusty astromech, just known as R5. Uh, Hondo addresses the riders and explains that he needs a, needs skilled crew members for a dangerous mission to Corellia. Uh, all he can find is you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> us. It had to be us. Why, you slimy double-crossing no-good swindler. Yeah, sounds about right. Um, so and then all of a sudden he's interrupted by Chewbacca. The two bicker for a few minutes before Hondo ushers you into the waiting area. This is where you actually board the Falcon and the hallways begin to look like the iconic circular corridors ingrained in every fan's brain. In this space, you and other guests are put in groups of six and you're randomly assigned a card that gives you your role, gunner, engineer, or pilot. With two of each role, everyone has to work together to ensure the success of the mission. Hmm. Interesting. So it's random. Hmm. Yep. Yeah, but that doesn't mean you can't swap cards with someone after you get it. True. I've heard plenty of stories of that, that someone, uh, the one guy I heard um, on another show, he was saying he's ran, he rode Smuggler's Run like six times in that first day. And um, yeah. he made sure he had each of the seats pretty much because you could swap with someone else. Like, oh, I've already been both pilots here. Why don't I swap with you? You could be the pilot. I like the, uh, the little instruction card there. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Be cool if you actually got to keep it. Yeah. Probably not, though. Probably mm-hmm. turn them in when you get into the cockpit. Um, so then you're treated to one of the coolest waiting areas in the in all of a Disney park, the re- recreational area of the Millennium Falcon. The Desjart table sits in the corner, providing a cool photo opportunity as you wait. Nooks in the walls are also home to some of the makeshift nests, evidence of previous porg infestations. Oh, jeez. I've also been told that actually, if you look close, there is actually a live porg nest in there somewhere. There are actual porgs in there somewhere. That's all I need with Zoe. Zoe, find the porgs. Um, now you wait around here for a few minutes. <laughs> I'll grab one and go dinner time and then get punched mm-hmm. by Zoe. Uh, guess wait here for a few minutes while cast members gather the groups of six to load them into the cockpit. The wait could be up to five to 10 minutes long. You may even hear an explosion falling, followed by random blinking lights in the corner. Cast members will encourage you to rush and push the button quickly in order to take care of the problem, which is just another level of immersion to make you feel you're on board. Remember those times where Chewie and C-3PO will have to rush back through the Falcon and take care of an engineering issue? It's just like that. Yes. Uh, the different groups in the Falcon are organized by color codes. Uh, once your code is called, you're whisked into the cockpit. Um, the buttons, the levers are all accurate to the film, and the size of the room makes you feel like you're an actual pilot, and the impressive screen that surrounds the cockpit makes the visuals look like you're actually docked in the hangar. Nice. Now, I don't recall seeing an exit sign in the Falcon before, but I might have just missed it. <laughs> well, they, they can take everything they can out of here, so you, t- you can't get out of the, um, so it doesn't take yeah. you out of the 
but you cannot um, take the legal system out of the law. True. Yeah. <laughs> you can't take the law out of the world. You see, that's yeah. what that's what happens when Hondo took can't over. Can't avoid this. <laughs> yeah. Now, yeah. one supposedly one of the other photo ops there too is the uh, little little nook where Han and Leia kiss or about to kiss before getting interrupted, <laughs> where they share that moment. The service closet. Yep. Lando's uh, closet. I don't know if that's there anymore. Well, now they have shipped back. But I did know. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys noticed the Falcon. They have kept to the current timeline. The Falcon has the uh, the rectangular dish on it, not the the circular dish from Good. the original trilogy. Well, yeah, yeah, that's why there would be porgs on here too, because this is supposed to be after it, the um, sequel trilogy. Yes, or in that time period. So that that does expl- say one thing: Chewbacca lives. Well, it takes place during that time period. Yeah, during during that time period of the movies, not after. It, it's set in the sequel trilogy time period. I don't know. I still hold to the fact that Chewbacca lives. I'm sure he does. I very much hope so. Uh, now, from there, everyone buckles up. The pilots take the ship out of Black Spire Outpost and hit the hyperdrive layer. Uh, and then you're off on your mission. Of course, nothing goes right. There's a First Order presence or Hondo's own greed that, gets the, that gives the mission some setbacks, and the riders have to work, work together to achieve success. Um, and by the time this is all said and done, Hondo is either giving you a bigger cut of the take or chastising you for, for the damage sustained by the Falcon, which comes out of your final score. <laughs> Um, and then this next one, time to hijack some coaxium. And the picture of this, of the control dash. God, I want to get there now. Yeah. Um, so the guests exit the Falcon, depending on their level of success. They may notice some damage to the interior corridors. Um, it's a huh. nice touch that That's continues cool. to expand the immersion. I think we talked about this before. Um, the more damage, the more, you know, you may have s- stuff sparking at you or uh, lights hanging, etc. as you're walking out. Um, right now, it's the only attraction open in Galaxy's Edge of California and will be the only one that opens when um, when it opens here in Florida. Uh, I think they're going to open Rise of Resistance probably at the same time, which I would hope by the end of the year. Yeah, which I'm still holding to the fact that that may actually, there's something in Rise of Resistance that is either it, after um, after Episode 9 or it, it's a spoiler thing that they don't want to open it one place and not the other. Yeah, I'm thinking there's it's some a story element in there. There's a story element in there that's going to be a spoiler for something. For something, yeah. But I, uh, I cannot wait to fire as much as I want to ride the Falcon. Rise of the Resistance has got me excited. Yeah, One, that's cool. I want to fire back. If I'm given a, a weapon, I want to fire back at the AT-AT shooting at me. Yeah, uh, I'd be, I want I'd to be, shoot stormtroopers. <laughs> I'd be happy just getting a chance to walk around the Falcon and look at every bit of it. Yeah. It's like, I'm cool not doing the ride yet. I, I just want to. <laughs> Let me just take it all in. I need my ship. Yeah. I got to make sure my ship's in good shape. Well, speaking of ships, the other um, that same interview with the guy I said that um, had been there and rode the, this. He said his first walking into this park was um, from, I think, Creature Land or something. So he's basically coming through a wooded area into the park. And as he does, you see Poe Dameron's X-Wing sitting there. And oh, wow. Chewbacca starts walking over to it and starts uh, picking up and working with the maintenance tech, working on Poe's X-Wing. And everybody's just standing there watching him. And eventually they get it to where they're ready to fire it up and it just doesn't work. So he starts flipping out and running and then they have to leave and go do something else.
else. And he said it felt it. You felt like you just walked in on a maintenance in a maintenance area of a base. Yeah, it felt 100 percent real. And Chewbacca was supposed to be there with you. Well, I've seen videos too of um, the Kylo Ren show, supposedly where the First Order is going. There's a spy, and we will find them. You know, be on the lookout. This and the other. And then Kylo comes out of the echelon and goes, um, "So where is it? Where's the spy? I uh, haven't found him yet." And then they do recreate the the force choke i'm like well this guy's pretty good at faking this i mean it looked believable um and then kylo with a couple stormtroopers just walks off the, the platform and off into the into the crowd into the pavilion so um i'm impressed hey, you don't get that at pandora you really don't get that at at the wizarding world where people just come out of nowhere you know you, you feel the experience at Harry at Wizarding World with Harry Potter. You don't feel that you're you're experiencing the world. You don't feel like you're a part of the world, like you're going to with this, based on what people are saying. Now, I have read some negative reviews, and I think it's just people who don't understand, which is fine. It's not their thing, so they they may not understand. Um, yeah, there's supposed been, to be negative. I don't know, but me personally. I'm almost afraid I'm gonna be I'm gonna be in tears when I walk in. Yeah, <laughs> it'd be like walking and, into that exhibit last summer all over again, and, the um, costume exhibit. And, and this would be that one time that it's uh, you know, as a man, it's okay to cry. <laughs> Our childhood has come to life. So, um, so Sci-Fi Wire has put out an article talking about all the Easter eggs that they have spotted at Galaxy's Edge and Disneyland. Of course, these are going to be pretty much. I bet you anything they're going to be the same Easter eggs here in Florida. Uh, so here's some of the things you can look out for, at least out in California. First off, look at the tracks on the ground embedded in the cement all across Black Spire uh, from resistance base to the area held by the First Order are tracks. Some are from the Treadwell units, like those in New Hope. Others are from Gonk Droids. Others are from Astromax, where they took the actual casting of one of the R2-D2 droids and used that casting to make the tracks for the Astromax. Um, and it's that type of detail that's there. And the first picture they show rem reminds me of, you remember the Droid Factory playset that was available as a kid? Yep. This looks like they took that playset and brought it to life. Does it not? Yeah. Well, I know um, the one thing I did here was um, looks the... Like what? I say that almost looks like a. I can't figure out which is that's an R two dome in the background or if it's a. Yeah, it's an R two dome. Never mind. I think it's an R two. But the probe droid on the wall. It was um, impressive just how huge that thing actually is. Yeah. Yeah. The one person was saying that they did. That it put a scale on the that they didn't under. They didn't really feel it the same in the movies. Yeah. Mm. Also, everywhere you go, we're talking about Easter eggs here. He, I was told look up. Yeah. You're gonna miss half of the park. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, there yeah. is stuff all over everywhere up down in out every nook and cranny has something oh yeah someone said it's two days gonna be enough uh yeah no i don't yeah. think so mm. um next spot yeah the whole place is crawling with droids um like the next picture you see the r1 unit that on the f on the far left of the picture which is similar to the droid that the jawas tried to sell to unk and 
Uncle Uncan, right? To Uncle Owen on Tatooine. Uh, the droid in the middle is Buford, uh, the BU4D. He was a resistance maintenance droid in uh, Force Awakens on on Dakar base. Um, then in the where where they taking us next? Um, like there's a, a smelter droid from Return of the Jedi roasting Nuna turkeys and Ronto steaks over a pod racer engine repurposed to cook food in a sequel era location. That's awesome. Yeah, uh, there's stuff um, from the prequels, the sequels, the original trilogy, all of it in here. Yep. Now, there are also Loth Cats. They yes. have found a place mm-hmm. on Batu. Not only are there the, pl- the plush Loth Cats, but this one in the creature shop in the marketplace. It's a living, breathing Loth Cat. It might as well be the cutest thing you ever see in the galaxy. <laughs> and looking at that, it looks... I mean, the animatronic for that, it's amazing. Dave Filoni has to be loving this. Uh, then we have things, you know, things are hidden everywhere from Porg's nest on the Falcon to oil buckets made of scout trooper helmets um, <laughs> to the crowning achievement of Easter eggs that can be found in Doc Ondar's Den of Antiquities. This is the, the highest of the rollers go here to get one of kind merchandise. And you can see why Doc Ondar has the reputation he has. Uh, he was even name dropped by Ron Howard in, in Ron Howard's uh, solo Star Wars story aboard uh, Dryden Voss's yacht. Now, if you uh, the next picture they show, hey, looky there, there's that Pike from Solo Star Wars story that is also going to be in The Rise of Skywalker. Indeed, you get all the different helmets, oh, oh. including hey, looky there, there's uh, Ezra's Spiker Scout helmet that was painted for him by Sabine. You got the breather units for the, what was that, for tie helmets? Mm-hmm. Um, so, of course, you know, the axe that was featured in Dryden Voss's office, which was also seen, uh, who else was He's using that? Being seen in uh, the trailer. Yeah. It looks like it is. Yeah. Uh, to the right of it is the mask of an Inquisitor from Star Wars Rebels. Almost looks like the Seven Sisters mask. Uh, to the left, you'll find a manner of helmets from the Rebellion of the Great Civil War. Um, perhaps one thing, perhaps things maybe don't go so well for Pedro Pascal's The Mandalorian as his helmet and signature gun are found as decorations on the wall. So it's cool that that's on here. Um, now below seems to be the, the another cool one. Uh, of course, below is the head of Tequil, uh, who's most known as Snaggletooth. And above, and above is a mask of the Imperial Guard, or the, the Imperial <laughs> Royal Guard. Uh, you also have the Calicori of Hera from Rebels. Oh, cool. Uh, Gungans and Ewoks are also well represented. Uh, this carving of a Gungan has a place in a box on a high shelf. And this headdress looks as though it belonged to a, to the Ewok shaman Logre. It has more impressive, it has an even more impressive spot on the high wall. I don't see the headdress. I think... Uh, At least not in that picture. Um, sure. You will also find the head of Hydro Two Tubes and Bomb Vimden here as well. Because uh, we first see Two Tubes in Row One, but he was also in uh, Solo. Oh, yeah. I think he makes another appearance somewhere as well. 
or will be. I don't remember. Well, I know he makes an appearance in the in the comics because he he's he appears in uh, like issues sixty somewhere between sixty one and sixty three or sixty five in Star Wars the main title. Uh, let's see what else we got. Um, you'll see different artifacts from the Sand People, and it also appears there's some armor from oh Willow, and, and of course the Ark of the Covenant. That is awesome. Yeah, one of our other stories actually has the picture of that in it. I'm hoping this picture. Why won't this picture show? It says Sarlacc Galaxy's Edge. Uh, one of the coolest thing is there's a diorama of the Sarlacc pit. It's a living, breathing cutaway, so you can see exactly how it works. Now, if you if if you read the first issue, he actually has a baby Sarlacc in in his store. I want to see that. I don't want this cutaway. That may be what this is. Because if you look, it looks like a creature inside of the... Um, and oh, instead be, of a diorama, it looks like that could be actually a creature inside of an um, enclosure. See, mine, the picture's not showing up. It's the only picture not showing up. There you go. I'm refreshing mine. See if it shows up now. Oh. There you go. Yeah, that's, what, that's what's shown in the book. And it's considered a baby Sarlacc. But if this is something where it's a cutaway on the side, where they cut into them, uh-uh. Yeah, this looks like it's not actually cut into it at all. It's just... Oh, yeah. It just shows his little kinda inhabitant. Like yeah, kind of like the way an anthill's um, done. An ant farm. Yeah. So th- this is the baby Sarlacc. All I... <sighs> Love when computers have a mind on their own. Oh, come on. Leave me alone. My solution center is going... We need to do stuff. Oh. All right. Now that all of that's done. Um, now, so this has got me excited. I, I want to see this. And supposedly it's supposed to be alive, which fine by me. Um, there are also other things around. If you take a look, uh, like the Rancar, uh, the cat from uh, Attack of the Clones. Uh, there's the the Tauntaun. Mm-hmm. It looks like a Gamorrean guard's axe, or is it? There's a couple of vibro axes, um, Corellian hounds, and then we get to uh, when you exit the Falcon ride, you'll notice there's nods back to the history of the Falcon, like the charges Han uses to blow the bunker at at uh. In Return of the Jedi. And then the Porg's Nest. Uh, someone actually has pictures of the different spots that they're at. Yeah, and if you click on that um, Twitter link, he's got all kinds of pictures from Galaxy's Edge. Yeah, yeah. <sighs> um, yeah. And did you guys actually see anything about the opening ceremonies for this? Yes. They actually I, had I, Her- or George the Maker came out. George Lucas was there. Yeah, Billy saw- Williams, Mark Hamill, and Harrison Ford were all there to open up the park. Now, there there was apparently a nice tribute to uh, to Carrie, which I missed. And Peter Mayhew. But I did see Peter's. And, yeah. And that was, that was Harrison going right before he banged on the Falcon to get it started. Uh, he said, Peter, this did one's you for see, you. Did you see the picture of that they they uh, they put in the ghost of Carrie and Peter Mayhew. Yes, yes. I actually shared that on my Facebook. That might be where I saw it. <laughs> so now there's one Easter egg that was mentioned by comicbook.com that Sci-Fi Wire did not bring up. Um, so first, we're you know I'm just going to run through this and see what's what they bring up. Uh, one such item is the headpiece inspired by Mola Ram, the heart-ripping villain of Indiana Jones at the Temple of Doom. Uh, also tucked away, as we said, is the Ark of the Covenant. 
Um, and it's also miss. Uh, and then uh, let's see. It looks like there's a second arc. No, no, no. It's a split screen picture. One yeah. is looking up on the shelf. The other one's zoomed oh, okay, in. Okay, okay, okay. I, I see. Awesome. I see the split now. Um, maybe no one's found it yet, but maybe the crystal skull is there. But outside of the shop, uh, one of the pedal uh, is one of the feet from the incubuses from the great movie ride from the Indiana Jones scene of the great movie ride. Hmm. So I, I saw pictures. I'm like, wait, that's one of the statue's feet. So cool. <laughs> Um, now there is the whole, uh, lightsaber experience, which is cool. Cause you walk into a room, uh, the main room and you, and you get to decide what, and you're shown the parts that you, you'll get access to depending on the saber you want. Um, then you choose what you want. And then a group of gatherers ushers you into the workshop where you're placed in front of your saber parts. Um, and they guide you on how to build your own lightsaber and bring it to life with the kyber crystal. Um, so the with this, they talk about the crystals, how you choose the different ones, and the room glows depending on which one they're talking about. Uh, and then you're talked to from Yoda, uh, from beyond, uh, et cetera, et cetera. It, it, it's such a, it's pretty cool. Um, to me, watching it, I would potentially get annoyed at the gatherers for talking too much, but I understand that's part of the show. <laughs> it's like, okay, come on, let's just let me go. <laughs> let me do my thing. So, um, and then the story below this, they talk about uh, what you do at Droid Depot and you choose, you pick your different droids. Um, whether it's a astromech or a, a ball ball mech. Um, and apparently there's six different personality chips for them, uh, depending on whether you're rebellion smuggler or a resistance smuggler or first order. So, and then depending on who's around or where you're at in the pavilion depends on how your droid will, will react, which is kind of cool. Um, stormtroopers everywhere. It's what's to say? I mean, this, this is going to be incredible. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be amazing. It's it's cool because it's like the, one of the few places you go to for like a Disney where you really you're showing up. You go because you want to do Smuggler's Run, but you want to go just to be there. Yeah, it's not because you want to ride all the rides or you want to see all the shows. No, you want to go there because you're in Star Wars. Yeah. I want to go just hang out, find a bench, and just yeah. watch people walk by, listen to the yep. conversations. People watch. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I I just I just want to scrutinize every inch of the place just yeah. what now, I can see. Yeah. I didn't look up any of the stories on it, but um, I've heard a lot of stuff about um, no costumes at all for anybody other than cast members. Okay. Or is that just because of the opening of the park? No. Is that something that's going to change? No. This is for age, age ages 14 and older. So we can still wear costume. She's under the age yeah. of 14. 14 and older, no. And it's not just for Star Wars. If you're 14 or older, and it's not the Halloween party, that's a hard ticket event where they do encourage you to wear costumes because it's Halloween. No, you are not allowed to wear Tinkerbell. You're not aware, allowed to wear Snow White or Belle if you're 14 and older. It's company policy. It's a policy that's been in place ever since I've worked there. And before, 
for the parks is to help yeah. save character integrity. Now, the the one the question I have though is they said um, as part of the new resort being immersive, you get clothing and stuff to wear while you're at the resort. There, would those people be allowed to wear their costume in the um, Galaxy's Edge because it's part of the resort experience? I don't know. I think that's going to be the tricky part. That, yeah, that, the point that's why can they and I can't? You know. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I mean, I'm sure they have it all figured out already. Oh, I'm sure that's one thing that they haven't even realized. Like, oh, yeah, okay. We didn't think about that. So, as much thought and um, planning they put into this, I think I think they've got that figured out. They just haven't told anybody what it is yet. They may be changing it so that after I mean, the crowds are not going to die down, but after the initial push, <laughs> yeah, after no. the first initial month, when they open it up so that people can just have mm-hmm. unlimited time in there, because we're still under what four hour restriction or something like that four hour restrictions yeah once they fully open it up you may be allowed to wear jedi robes or um or clothing that you buy in batu in batu yeah well they're now saying you probably won't be able to wear it outside of the park they're saying right areas of the park well they're saying but, right now yeah even costumes you buy in there you can't yeah you can't wear now the about the only thing you could wear is your belt if you want to carry your jedi hilt on your belt or your uh lightsaber on your hilt that you could do well, I mean, it does make sense on one hand because if everybody's dressed in costume, I mean, we're, like, we're talking fourteen thousand cast members, or not fourteen thousand, mm. 1, fourteen hundred cast members scheduled for this area. Mm. Now, not all at one time, but figure cycling through between the shops and the and the restaurants and the and the shows, fourteen hundred different cast members. It's a lot. Yeah. And then on top of that, you come in in costume and get confused because. Because their right. their, na- their name badges are not going to be the, your typical Disney name badge like what I wear, where it's a white name badge that sticks out no matter what costume you're wearing. This is gray. Right. There's no mention of the word Star Wars. There's no mention of the word Disney on it. It has the logo for the outpost. It says Batu, and then your name. It actually has your name in English in common, and then I think everything else is in Arabish. Yeah, I don't think that would be people though. I think it would be okay. Well, like I said, we'll see what happens once they fully open this up. Right. Because right now, you could almost look at this as a um, restricted opening. Because oh, yeah. we've got, everything's not open yet. Um, we're only allowed four hours at a time in there. Right. Once you have a full grand opening a year or so in, I could see them loosening up on the restrictions on um, Star Wars costumes. Now, I could see masks, no. I don't think they will. No, no, I, I'll tell you right now. No, there's going to yeah, be no. Th- it would take away from the. Uh, they're not going to loosen. They're not going to loosen up on it. Because, because again, so, fourteen and older. Yeah, we're, we're talking yeah. adults. I understand. Adults want to dress up in Star Wars costumes and and get the photo ops of yes, I'm in Star Wars. Right. Well, hope you like your underoos T-shirt because that's the closest you can get at the moment. <laughs> they, well, they may have. I'm sure they'll have like picture you know things that you can oh yeah like cost dress up for the picture but but it reminds me of um there's a local here in massachusetts there's a local um renaissance type fair in in uh in the fall it's called the king richard's fair that i used to go to and i used to dress up when i went to it i had a cloak and all you know all this other stuff and a staff and everything and because of how immersive it is You'd walk around and you'd go to the shops and stuff, and they'd they'd have to ask you if you were a cast member because they get discounts and stuff. 
so they couldn't just tell because there's so many people working there, you know? Yeah. So that's pro- that's that's one reason why I can see they wouldn't let anybody wear costumes. See, right. that's why I said something like Jedi robes or something like that. The cast members don't wear those. You wear, I can see you wearing something that's actually more Star Wars screen accurate, not Batu accurate. Yeah, but... Because yeah. The, there's um, actually a set costumes that the um, cast members wear. Yeah, but the costumes that the cast members wear, I mean, I could go in. They're they're given essentially a buffet of costumes to choose from yeah. for the day for for their location. So it, so they're not wearing like me. I wear blacks every day. Okay, well, if I'm first order. Yeah, I got the same uniform, but if I'm resistance or, or just local inhabitants, my costume is going to change daily, just like it would if I was not working at Disney. My clothes are going to change daily, just like you guys now with y'all's jobs. Um, so they're essentially their costumes are going to be essentially screen accurate costumes. Yeah, because figure if they just come in, could you imagine if they did decide you now supposedly Batu is never supposed to appear on screen or Black Spear Black Spire Outpost will never appear on screen. But could mm. you imagine if they decided to do so? They don't need to hire extras. All they got they got the extras built in. All, all they gotta do is be willing to pay the cast members media rate to do the filming, you know? Uh, yeah. The costumes are essentially screen accurate as it is. Because the the costumes are gonna be canon. And at this point Actually, in time, figure each one of these fourteen hundred people and their backstories, their backstories are now canon. Yeah. For their characters. Mm-hmm. Their characters are now canon in the Star Wars universe. That's pretty cool. So everything here is canon. I'm jealous. Mm. <laughs> I really am. So, but yeah, they're they're not going to ease up on the costumes. They're no. they're, they're just they not. Would if they if they would especially they, if it's if they were to they would they would have already done it with everything else. Right, like you said, especially if it's if it's already you know the policy in general. I don't see why. Right. I mean, obviously you get that people would want to dress up like that, but I don't. I mean, it just it would make too many complications. I think. Yeah, it, it would. Plus, it doesn't have its own separate entrance, right? You got to go through the park anyway. Correct. So you'd have to go through the park dressed up, and I'm sure they're not going to allow that either. No. Nope. Again, if it was Halloween, oh yeah, please give me a Halloween event in Galaxy's Edge, mm-hmm. a hard ticket event where I buy a ticket, it closes, and then you do a Halloween party in Galaxy's Edge where I could dress up in the Star Wars universe. Do that for me in the month of October on select nights. Oh, please. Yes, I'll do that in a heartbeat. <laughs> Let me dress up. Mm, that would be awesome. I, I would do that in a heartbeat. But that, but they're going to do the same thing. They're going to tell you the same thing. You want to be a stormtrooper? Fine. No helmet. Yeah. You want to be yeah. Vader? Great. No helmet. Boba Fett? No helmet. Kylo would make sense to do because he could take the helmet off. Clone troopers would make sense to do because you'd go without the helmet. But then you wouldn't be a clone. <laughs> this is true, too. <laughs> Although you could do Darth Vader because you can take off the helmet and just have your head all shaved and scarred. and Be like I, what I've got now? <laughs> sure. <laughs> I say I'm halfway there. I just don't have all the scars. <laughs> you know what these spots here are for? For all those times going, where's that feedback coming from? <laughs> I wear those spots away. Um, so yeah, that's the uh, that that's my whole thing. I mean, the, the these Easter eggs are great. Yeah, and uh, and like I said, you know, fourteen hundred cast members each have their unique backstories and costumes. It's amazing. Um, the Disney Image 
engineering team uh, designed the wardrobe to be modular, allowing cast members to pick and choose from a variety of different clothing to create their own signature look. Um, staff members have been encouraged to create their own character backstories for when they're working. Um, cast members are also allowed to augment their base costume with necklaces, scarves, and hats to make their character truly one of a kind. Hmm. Um, yeah, I, I'm jealous. Yeah, really. I want to know if if I have to be a technician there and I have to dress as an imperial officer, can I claim I'm a part of the communications team? <laughs> and if so, can I get an R get my own R four unit as my communications droid to go with me? Now you're talking. Yes, I am. So, but apparently. Imagineering spent three years developing the costumes for the cast, and the uniforms are not one size fits all. The team designed the wardrobe to be modular, um, you know, and choose from a variety of different clothing, including tunics, wraps, and vests to create their own signature look. So if you get too warm, that's your fault. <laughs> um, so to continue on, Corey Rouse, creative director at Walt Disney Imagineering, said, uh, when they step into the land each day, ready to be among our guests, they're going going to feel like they're actually from the planet Batu. Uh, they live there, they work on Batu, and as inhabitants of Batu, they get to really showcase their personalities, whether it's being sympathetic to the First Order or yearning to find their way to the Resistance. Oh, so if you're if you're coming in and you have one of those attitudes where you don't like being there, oh hell, First, first Order, <laughs> here I come. <laughs> um, so now each cast member will wear a special name tag with their name translated into Arabish as well. Uh, Imagineers also visited Lucas's private archives and traveled to Morocco for inspiration when designing Batu. Uh, the goal was to create a space that was grounded in some sort of reality with touches of otherworldly charm. Um, Margaret Kearson, managing story editor of Walt Disney Imagineering, said in a statement, I think grown men are going to cry. You think? <laughs> no, I do not have dust in my eyes. I am crying. Uh, I think people are going to fall to their knees and start kissing the ground. I'm not even there yet, and she's already telling me what I'm already going to be doing. <laughs> um, I, I swear, I, as soon as I step through, I bet you anything, my knees are going to buckle. I will have no choice but drop to my knees because mm. it's, it's going to be so overwhelming and oh, my I wife know. my wife and daughter are going to look at me like are you a moron are you an idiot <laughs> see my wife would be um would fully understand i mean they'll when understand do, but they're going to go that, okay oh, you're 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 yeah you're overreacting here yeah well, um when we went to that star wars exhibit down in cincinnati the uh the costume exhibit and i walked around the corner and i didn't expect it but i got and i saw sir alec guinness's costume standing there um on a mannequin and i started to get emotional she she just stood there and waited she understood knew exactly what was going on didn't give me any grief for it, <laughs> it when was i went weird when i went about i think it was like 15 years ago they had a an I was exhibit at <laughs> when they had an exhibit at the boston museum of science and it was all the uh, special effects of of Star Wars. So it was they had all the models. They had the land speeder there. They had C three PO, R two D two, all the costumes. Just and I remember just walking through that exhibit and just my jaw was just dragging on the floor the whole time. Just like this is amazing. So I imagine after uh, spending some time at the Galaxy's Edge here, 
there, uh, my jaw's going to be pretty sore. See, this is where I'm going to say I'm going to be lucky because once things do ease up, uh, I will not be surprised if I have nothing to do on a day off. I will be going, and it will be so, hard. For, it will be hard for me not to spend money. Mm. It, it really will. So, um, so yeah. Final thoughts because we're almost at that time. Uh, um, all right, I'll go first, I guess. Since we didn't pick already, I'm gonna. I'm just gonna pick now. Okay. Uh, Galaxy's Edge. Speaking of what, what does blue milk taste like? That's an interesting question that I actually have been wondering. And um, you know, they have they have uh, all kinds of interesting drinks at the Galaxy's Edge, including some alcoholic ones, which is interesting. And uh, they also have uh, a milk stand which offers both blue and green milk. Uh, of course, you don't get them directly from the source like Luke did, but... Uh, oh, why not? <laughs> <laughs> uh, apparently, uh, they're both blended ice drinks, kind of like slushies, and they're actually dairy-free, so they technically are not milk, but they're a rice-based treat. Um, Interesting. So even if you're lactose intolerant, you can still enjoy them. Uh, so it says they have the same flavor base as as horchata or coconut water. Uh, though, depending on your color, you also get a different fruity taste as well, with the blue milk being more tropical uh, with strong pineapple flavors, and the green milk is more citrusy. Interesting. Well, very cool. Yeah. I just hope they don't a have A little coconut. disappointing. Mm, a little disappointing that they're not actually milk, but... True. <laughs> True. I'm not sure how, how it would be color-wise, what that would taste like as actual milk. Yeah. Yeah. Any other final thoughts? Well, the blue milk's not the only thing you can get here. Uh, now, since Star Wars started, gambling has been part of the universe. Well, mm-hmm. the Toy Darian Toy Shop, you can um, you can actually buy a replica of the Dejaric table on the Millennium Falcon, or even uh, that's uh, cool. That is really cool. I would love that. Also, yeah. you could buy a Sabacc deck. Now, this I th- I could have swore I've never seen it since then, so I think it, I was just remembering it different or something. I could have swore that um, someone had actually written out the rules for Sabacc for the old West End board game or role playing games and had actually made a deck that you could buy at comic shops this is back in the early 90s. But I have to, it's just a vague, funny memory in the back of my head. So mm. I don't know. I've, not, I've never seen it since then. But this is actually a deck of Sabacc cards um, like they came right off the um, off of Solo. You can buy them at the Twitterian Toy Shop for $15. And it is a deck of um, 62 cards. Wait. Or, yeah, 62 cards, uh, 30 positive, 30 negative, and two zeros, and a mm-hmm. pair of dice. Now, anybody um, familiar with Sabacc from um, Legends and stuff realizes there is a random factor to this also, not just what cards you have in your hand. The um, I believe the dice are supposed to make up for the um, in the, the universe, there was one card that actually had some kind of tech in it that would randomize that, that card. I think so, yeah. I'm assuming that's what these dice are for. But um, you can play it, and the whole idea idea is um, you have to the cards are numbered 1 to 10 and um, once they're shuffled and dealt out you have to assemble a hand that comes to a total sum of 0 so you got 30 positive, 30 negative um, 3 of each 3 sets of 1 to 10 on each of those and then the 2 zeros and it basically you just go back and forth and um, the instructions come with this, it comes in a nice easy to carry ba- box but you can um, 
where to go. The oh, the only thing is, um, watch or re- you gotta make sure because the cards don't have actual numbers on them. These are from the Star Wars universe, so you have to get used to actually what the symbols on the cards mean for the different size or for the different um, numbers. Right. So I don't, I'm wondering how long until we can actually get these like on Amazon or something. Oh, I'm sure it won't be too probably too long. not. That, well, they, they won't be the same deck, but I'm sure someone will be selling Sabacca decks um, within the next six months. This it is, won't be what you can get there. Actually, but. this is actually this is a really cool um, souvenir because it's it's affordable and it's actually something in the movie, and you can actually play it. Hey, yeah. I I would I would consider I'm considering getting a deck, and it, you know, if you guys are wanting a deck, I might know someone. Yeah, oh, groovy. So, then could you imagine the Sabak games that we play over the Skype post show? Yeah. <laughs> actually, I just looked. Hasbro does have a Sabak um, game out. It's not the same as that, but um, the symbols are the same. Yeah, I just got it on Amazon for like ten bucks. This could be made or by Hasbro, bucks. though. Possibly, yeah, ten bucks on Amazon. So, so yeah. Well, if that's going to wrap it up for us this week, uh, thanks for hanging out with us. Now, we're just three smugglers trying to get by through this galaxy. Mm-hmm. And go ahead. Well, I also want to throw it out before we wrap this up. Anybody out there who um, has been to Galaxy's Edge, let us know. Let us know what you saw, what it was like. Hey, we'll even bring it on the show so you can give a nice full report on it, too. Oh, yeah. yeah. We will question you for an entire hour about this. <laughs> oh, yeah. So hit so hit us up, yeah, on, so- hit us up on Facebook, Twitter, at Wookie Radio. Uh, email us at Wookie at Wookie Radio net and uh we'll get you on the show so but until then give the evacuation code signal all right cut the chatter jinx i can hold it pull up no i'm all right i have placed information vital to the survival of the rebellion into the memory systems of this r2 unit i've lost r2 I have placed information vital to the survival of the rebellion into the memory systems of this R2 unit.